are listening to the Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. Hey. No way that we go is a one-way street. Nothing that we love is a one-day key. And if we gon' do it, we gon' do this now. And if we say we gonna, we gon' hold this down. How's it going, everyone? My name is Will Holdren, and I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and his name is Matthew Marinoff. And Matthew has been in short sales since 2005, and he's also known as a short sales savage. And on top of that, he just came out with his latest book, which is also called Short Sales Savage. So it's an absolute honor to have him on here today. So Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. My pleasure. I'm literally looking forward to this conversation. And so to get started, I kind of want to go into your childhood a little bit. So you can kind of talk about what your childhood was like and how it kind of helped turn you into who you are today. So basically, you know, growing up for myself, I always was an underdog. Um, I was horrible in school. Uh, the teachers that I had didn't understand how to teach me. 100%, you know, I had a mindset of an entrepreneur. So I always knew I was different than most. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. So I'm 51 now. So people looked at people that were entrepreneurs as people that were lazy. So I remember in school, I took a test and the test said that I would be nothing more than just a laborer working in a warehouse or whatever. Um, there was a conflict because my IQ couldn't be tested correctly. So apparently I would have had a higher IQ per se if I could have tested the way they wanted me to test. But I'll tell you this, this book took me three years to actually put together and I just launched it. And let me just say the reason why I'm saying this, nobody believed in me in school. They thought I was lazy. Um, they thought I was slow. They thought I was dumb. They thought I was stupid. But at the end of the day, I just felt different. I knew that I had something more to offer as far as being a compassionate person per se. So Growing up as a child in a middle-class house uh, in New Jersey was hard for me. Uh, I always felt like I was under the gun with my brother, who's an amazing student. And it's funny now, because now I look at it, he has a nine-to-five job. He may or may not be happy. I don't really know. But for me, I don't have a nine-to-five job. And I'm a you know, multiple business owner. So for me, I'm extremely happy. But it took me so long to actually tap into the type of person that I knew I could be and should be. Uh, so I say, you know, just because someone says, you know, you're a certain way, doesn't mean that you can't shine through and be the person you want one day. 100%. And that is actually a very interesting childhood. And I love how, you know, a lot of people thought you were lazy because you want to be an entrepreneur. And it's interesting to me because, you know, that kind of generation, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? It was cool to get that nine to five job, but I feel like that's kind of shifting away to that. And now it's more cool to be that kind of entrepreneur. So growing up in that area where people kind of like look down upon entrepreneurs, like, oh, why are you trying to do your own thing? And you were able to still kind of come out of that and do your own thing is, is pretty cool and 
it's pretty pretty interesting to me. It's, it's awesome to see that it worked out too in the long run. Um, so congrats for that. Thank you. Um, and so did you end up going to college or did you end up trying to just become an entrepreneur like right out of the high school or what did that look like for you? So it's a great, great question. So, you know, there's a little joke in my house. Um, I probably shouldn't have made it a joke to my kids, but, you know, they know, you know, when I graduated high school, I had probably still uh, 39 detentions that I should have actually gotten before I got my diploma. Wow. So for me, like they probably should have built like the Matt Marinoff wing of detention by the time I left. Uh, everybody started school at 730 in the morning. I started school 820 in the morning. But um, but I never missed class. And that was always my rebuttal to the principal and the vice principal. Why do I have to be here so early when my class really starts at 820? Why can't I take a little bit more time in the morning, relax and get ready to set the day? And they were always laughing and stumped, but then they're like, you know, listen, you, you, you have to be here. And I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. So um, I also thought D was for diploma. So at the end, you know, I got out of school, I got D for a diploma. So did I go to college? No, I didn't go to college. And actually, it's funny because, you know, in my book, I actually wrote my first chapter, Getting to Know Me, and how I became a short soul savage because... I thought it was important to understand, like, there is a way out. There's always a way out, but you can't have a defeatist, you know, attitude. So I hope people actually purchase the book and see how important it is for people to understand, like, you can follow your dream. You can go down the road. You can go down the path you want. Stay away from the people that are out there that are essentially just going to make it so they hold you back. So if you hold, if you hang out with people that hang out and, you know, parking lots and drink 40 ounces and stuff like that. That's how your life's going to be. Uh, separate yourself from that type of environment and try to run with the pack. Maybe you're not the smartest person in the room and you'll learn and you'll absorb and try to like, you know, metaphors into somebody that, you know, you want to be one day. 100%. You got to choose your friends wisely. And Absolutely. I love the fact that you did not go to college because I, I've been running this podcast for about two years now. And most entrepreneurs I've had on here either dropped out of college or decided not to go to college. So there's another pretty cool like entrepreneurial trait, kind of like. I'm not. I am not saying because I know my kids are gonna watch us. I'm not saying <laughs> not to go to college. I'm yeah. saying that if you're not gonna have like, if you're not gonna be a doctor, if you're not gonna be an attorney, if you're not gonna be, you know, any type of, you know, a, or be in an environment where a degree helps, I would say go to college if you can do it. I just didn't have the brain work to go to college. It just wasn't my personality. I would have died a slow death. And let me just say that I've worked in offices, office jobs and working in office jobs for myself was like literally poking my eye with, an, with a needle every single morning to go to work. It was a horrible experience for me. I was all over the place. I, I was um, early on tagged to having um, uh, ADD and uh, dyslexia. So again, you know, writing this book where everybody's like, dude, just go get a ghostwriter. Tell that person what you want, and they'll write the book for you. I didn't do that. I wrote this book. I literally wrote every word in this book for a specific reason. I needed to prove to myself, not to anybody else, but to prove to myself that I actually could do it. Now, my second book that I've already outlined, will I ask for help on it? Yeah, probably, because this was it really was a pain in the ass. and took a lot of attention to actually focus for me and write it now quick thing most people don't know about 
it's funny because this is my very first podcast talking about this book, Bob. People said, dude, you're literally all over the place on a daily. So what did you do to, you know, to, to actually like focus? What I did was I actually put earphones on, headsets on, and I would listen to techno music. And that techno music actually made it so I could do razor focus and figure out and, and actually write complete sentences. So my family was like, that doesn't make sense, but it did to me. Right. And at least you're able to get it done in the long run. That's all that matters. So I'm super yeah. excited to be able to read it. And um, I'm excited because like I said, it took you three years. So that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Not a lot of people can say they published a book in their lifetime. So yeah, no, it's very cool. Very cool. And uh, kind of jump back into your life story. So after high school, did you go right into short sales or what was your first you know, kind of career path or how did you? No, I, I actually jumped around from job to job. Um, you name it. I mean, I did everything from, you know, selling fake handbags and, and watches to working for a collection company, uh, working for a mortgage company. I actually ultimately ended up working for New Jersey Transit and I was a train operator. And then from there, um, I actually, that was one of the, I, that's how, that's how I, from the train job, that's how I knew I wanted to marry my wife because I had to understand a book. This was this thick and there were tests that you had to take. And a lot of it obviously was written tests and then practical going out there and, and operating a train. So top speeds on the rail were about 50 miles an hour, but you felt like you were going over hundred miles an hour. So I love the job, but then I, I actually, I got sick uh, and I wasn't able to stay in that career. Uh, so I, you know, as the doctor said, you need to go and get a big boy job. So I ended up working for my brother and system was company. Uh, and from there, I ended up running a for sale by owner business and helping people how to, they show them how to market their properties privately without a real estate agent, but it didn't always work. So it opened up a lot of doors in a real estate career community. And that's actually how I got into this business uh, in my uh, mid twenties. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And again, it's super cool to see you kind of running your own business at a pretty early age too. And obviously that's helped you get into short sales. And honestly, like, I'm not even clearly sure like what short sales are. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast don't really know what they are either. So we can kind of just dive into like what a short sale is like briefly. Really, a short sale is nothing more than if you owe a mortgage on a property for three hundred thousand, and let's say the property sells for round numbers two hundred thousand. You're actually shorting the actual mortgage itself. So whatever was owed at three hundred, there's a big difference. It's a hundred thousand dollars. You know, you hope and pray that the difference goes away from what you you know short sale the property for. That's pretty much my job to show the bank or banks. And additional judgment holders or lien holders that might be in the property, the house isn't worth what it once was. And also, um, the person does not have the capability of paying it back. So it's the reverse of qualifying for an actual mortgage. Gotcha. So you pretty much help people sell their distressed homes and help them clear that outstanding debt to the bank, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, funny enough, you know, I'm doing it almost 17 years now. And in 2015, I went nationwide with my quest to help other people in other states because it really felt like there was a lot of people out there that didn't understand how short sales worked. And that's why I wrote my book, because I wanted people to have a real chance to understand from the selling point, the buying point, the real estate point, 
and actually what type of emotions go into going through selling a distressed real estate. So it really is a helpful guide for someone who's in distress and or looking to purchase a distressed property and or list or sell. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of people in that situation as well where they can't really, you know, they have a lot of debt on their home. Just so you're talking about they're trying to sell it and trying to get out of that debt. Um, and just for like another question about that. So when that does happen, like why are the banks okay with just clearing the debt off? Well, the bank is not in the business of real estate game and actually taking properties back. So they really do want to see about liquidating the asset. Most people don't realize there's actually uh, insurance policies in place that in the event you go, you know, late on your mortgage and you default anything past three months, you know, they took they take a look at your credit situation. They try to reach out to you. Most people literally bury their head in their sands and do nothing until the final hour where there's like an auction or a sheriff's of the property. Uh, they do this because um, they're financially, they can take the loss. Uh, they have enough in the pipeline where there's positive so they can use it towards you know, impacting, you know, the difference of you know, the positive gains. But it's important. Most people don't realize that most properties are actually insured. So if you haven't paid your mortgage in two, three years, there's actually a good chance that your mortgage was uh, paid off by an insurance policy. Interesting. That is very interesting. But they don't tell the homeowners that. Right, right. So that's where you come into play and help them out with that. I try. I try. <laughs> I try to. Well, we never, get, we never guarantee anything. But I, my philosophy in running my company and how I run my life is it's not a no until you get a restraining order. And people <laughs> laugh when I say that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a positive way. So if you're going through a hard time, it's something that, you know, whether you choose to reach out to me or my company, um, definitely have a starting point, have a guide that you can work you know, through. And I wrote a specific chapter before I finished this for the pandemic, because there is, you know, there is a pandemic, you know, mortgage crisis and people really need to understand like the insides and the outs of that particular thing. So this is really a helpful guide and it's timeless. And I will be able to help people for years, for years to come. Yeah, that's awesome. And so for people that are kind of like in those situations, like obviously, you know, it's very stressful. And, you know, obviously your business has been able to grow in those 17 years you've been doing this. And so like for you personally, what has been the hardest part about like growing your business? Because obviously, you know, it's not easy to grow a business nowadays. And so like, how are you able to do it so well? And what, what have you learned during those like 17 years? Um, I, I've learned that there's a lot of people out there that, are trying to fake it till they make it on the real estate side with people that are in trouble. And you just can't do that. Um, I've seen way too many people be impacted by people that are uneducated in this particular field and drive people into foreclosure. Now, you would think that they'd be like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm so sorry. But the reality is, and I've talked with a lot of real estate agents and they're like, hey, look, you know what? They were delinquent on their mortgage anyway. So, you know, I tried, didn't really know what I was doing, but I thought I could try to help out and, you know, at least gain experience for myself. Like if the homeowner really knew what the true intentions were, I don't know if they would have actually used that particular person to list the property. But I will say this, nine out of 10 real estate agents stay away from distressed real estate. And I tell people all the time, put me in a hot seat because I, I will help the agent and I also help the homeowner and guide everybody through the right path. Not everybody gets to keep their house when they're in distress, but why not find out if there's any options, but definitely they should never go to foreclosure. Foreclosure should never be an option. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I'm just curious, like, what is your like guys' success ratio? Like, how often does it work out? Are you guys like able to clear off the debt and stuff? Well, it's funny you say that. So, quick story. I'm working on a deal right now, and people don't understand. They're like, dude, why are you working a short sale in reverse? So, what we do is we try to find out ahead of time do they qualify? What are the particular guidelines with this short sale? My company name is Real Estate Recovery Group, which really stands for Rules, Regulations, and Guidelines. And nobody ever gets that. So because of that, we're, our ability to get to the closing table is pretty high. We're at a 96% approval rating as far as getting a short sale completed. Wow. Now, somebody buying it and getting to the closing table is a different, you know, different animal. Because people could say they qualify. And maybe they do. Maybe there's a job loss. It could be numerous different things. Maybe uh, they had to move out of state. They decided not to buy the property. Maybe the real estate agent didn't do a good job at explaining the process. So again, you know, not to reference it over and over again, but the book really is a guide for people to show others to understand how your success can come from distressed real estate. But our success rate is about a 96% getting approvals now the, and the reason why that is is because we find out from the beginning is this something that we can work with can we add value to the homeowner because if we can't and we see that the homeowner doesn't want to help themselves then we drop them as a client gotcha gotcha and that's a that's a pretty high success ratio so that's pretty incredible i don't i don't know what the industry industry standard is but that seems pretty high to me so that's awesome but only because we're qualifying them from the beginning. Most people that don't have success with short sales aren't qualifying people. And it's not just the asset itself. I talk about in my book how each property has its own separate DNA. And it's important that people understand that. Just because, let's say it's Bank A holds your mortgage. Bank A might not actually, you know, they might be servicing it. Right? They might not actually hold the mortgage itself. So there's a lot of questions that need to be asked. Uh, and the, the, the process itself is streamlined. It's kind of like me. I could put my shoes on with my eyes shut. I could put my pants on with my eyes closed, you know. But if it's somebody doing it from the first time, they might fumble. They might fall. They might hit their head. They might not understand which way the laces are going. So it's a lot of repetition. Obviously, I've been involved in thousands and thousands of transactions over, you know, the last 17 years. So. That, I think that's why contributing factor to the success of the company. Right, right. And so you were kind of touching on of how qualifying people was a huge part of your guys' success. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what do you guys go through to qualify people? Like, what are you looking for in clients before you actually take them on? Well, it's funny. You know, one of the, the biggest red flags for me is if I call you and you don't call me back right away, note goes in the file and says they're not really, they don't, you know, we've got to reach out to them three, four times before they follow up. Um, qualifying, that's part of the qualifications. Uh, the financials are very important, obviously, because if they don't have the right proper financials, there's a good chance that the bank will deny it, uh, you know, a short sale. People don't realize that bank, do, they do not have to do short sales. So that's, that's massive itself. Uh, reaching out to the servicer or the lender, whoever actually uh, holds the, the mortgage itself, which would be the investor, and saying, hey, look, I'm not sure really, you know, where we're headed with this, uh, but they would like to do a short sale. And we all ask, are there options to settle the mortgage? And people will be surprised. You could actually settle your mortgage 
and stay in your house. So people don't know that little, you know, that little secret, that little tip. So that's something I'm, I'm throwing out there as a little extra for your, for your listeners. Um, but it's contacting the servicing company or whoever is servicing the loan and trying to figure out, get the packet of information that you need, find out the qualifications to move forward. That really helps towards the success. If the homeowner is not willing to help themselves, it's going to fail. If they're real estate agent, I'm sorry. Yeah, if the real estate agent, if the title company, if the attorneys involved aren't willing to do their job, we will ask people to excuse themselves from the file. Some people, you know, get very upset, but at the end of the day, it's not about me and it's not about them. It's about helping the individual that's in trouble. So that's pretty much how we, you know, qualify. Yeah, it seems like a very streamlined process. And obviously it's working. Like you said, you got 96% success rate. So that's pretty high. Um, and I got one more question about your business before we jump into your book fully. Um, so like kind of talk to me a little bit like, so how big have you grown your business into? Like how many sales do you guys normally do like a year kind of thing from when you first started? So m- the way I set my company up, we're kind of like a boutique. So we're not like, you know, like a, was like a, like a, I hate to use the word terminology, like a puppy mill. So, you know, we do specific transactions to help specific people. I will not help people commit fraud. And believe me, when I tell you over the, over the last 17 years, people have come at me with wild scenarios. Uh, but I would say typically uh, we're closing anywhere between three to uh, five transactions a month as of right now. Um, we hope to turn up the volume a little bit now. We're training more staff members to come on so we could take on more cases. But we're very particular on the cases that we take on because like I said, qualifying from the beginning is very important. So if we talk with, let's say, 10 people out of those 10, you know, maybe four or five of those people will actually consider taking on as a client, meaning that the other five are a little suspect and it's not something that I want to put my fingerprint on. Right. Gotcha. That's interesting. That's why you got to qualify them. Just like you're talking about. 100%. <clears throat> That's super cool. And so I want to jump into your book now. So obviously you've been in short sales since 2005, which is pretty amazing. You've been an industry leader, kind of an expert in that industry as well. Um, so what motivated you to kind of write your book in the first place? I know you said it took you three years, but you know, what motivated to get you there to actually start writing the book in the first place? You know, when I was a young kid, um, I remember I was 16 years old and my cousin was dating this guy and I saw he had a beautiful watch on. It was all gold. And I thought to myself, wow, it's a nice watch. And I actually remarked on it because, oh, I got it as my graduation present uh, from college. And I said, well, what kind of watch is that? He said, it's a Rolex. I said, oh, wow. I said, it's beautiful. And at the time, I think that particular model back then was about $10,000. $10,000 going back, you know, 40 years ago is a lot of money. So today, I don't know how much that watch is worth. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that I had asked him, what type of business are you in? And he said, well, my family's in real estate. I said, oh, interesting. So, you know, years went on, and I always went to, like, the local bagel shops, and you see those magazines in real estate. So when I was 16 years old, I knew that I wanted to be some part of real estate, but I really wasn't sure. Uh, But, you know, I got – I'd start a business. I was hanging wallpaper uh, and painting. I started a wallpaper hanging business called Eminem Paper Hanging uh, and Painting. And uh, I was doing really well with it. And then I was actually in a car accident and the car accident made it so I couldn't actually, you know, physically do the work that I was once doing. 
So, but real estate was always something that I wanted to be involved in. And I often would talk with people in real estate and I would say, like, you seem very knowledgeable. Why don't you write a book? Um, so that seemed to be like a mantra that kept happening over and over again. So at some point, I think it just clicked in my head that one day I'm going to write a book. Is it going to be about real estate? I don't know. But, and I thought it was going to be about something else, which is a totally different topic, but it ended up being about real estate. And once I realized that I truly cared about helping other people that were in distress, um, in 2005, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to write. So I didn't jump into, because there's a lot of people that go out there, they start in the field, they do one or two transactions, all of a sudden they're a guru. It takes many years uh, and a lot of bumps and bruises and a lot of failure to get to the point that I'm at right now, but I've seen it all. I probably, well, I shouldn't say I've seen it all. I still see crazy things. But the, the idea of the concept of the book was important for me because I didn't have something to guide me. So the, the reason the, I wrote the book the way I wrote it, and because it took me, let's say, three years, it was, it was hard for me because I wasn't good at spelling. I wasn't good at writing. I wasn't good at like trying to like put my, my words on paper. But then when it, it started flowing out like a bad case of diarrhea, at that point, couldn't stop. But what I did realize was I had so much content. So I'm not going to say when and if, but I will say this is the first book. There's so much information that has to be put out, but I didn't want to jam everybody with information overload. This book truly is a guide to help somebody that's in trouble that wants to understand what are my options. This book was put together to show other people how to speak with somebody who's in trouble with their property can't look at somebody like they're, you know, have a dollar sign on their forehead because they're going to see right through it. So it really is a lot of information in this book, an amazing foundation. Let's face it. Anytime you want to build a property, you have to have a footing. You have to have a foundation. This book is the footing in the foundation and it starts to shed the light of framing the house. And that's where, you know, you know hopefully, uh, in the next year or two, uh, the second book will come out. I'll be more detailed to it. I don't know if there's going to be a third, but the, the book concept itself was so important to put out because I was having the same conversations over and over again. Now, note, I tell people all the time, put me in the hot seat. I'm in 85% close ratio over the telephone without ever meeting somebody. And that should say something that they're listening to what I'm saying, but they're also hearing what I'm saying because it's important that people understand. And that's what this book shows people. So whether you reach out to me or not, definitely get this book because this book will help you with your footing and your foundation of really understanding short sales and understanding basically your target market. 100%. And I think your book's concept is so important as well, because, you know, people in a really distressed time in their life where they owe a lot of money to a bank and they need someone to help them kind of get through that kind of situation. So that's where this book kind of comes in handy and, and kind of save their life in a way. So Absolutely. that is super cool to see. And it's also I love talking to authors because like when you publish a book and you write it yourself without a ghostwriter, like you're really opening yourself up to be judged by other people, because once you read your book, everyone can read like what's on your mind and what you do, that kind of thing. So it's super yeah. cool to see how 
people like you kind of open up and are okay being judged by the people because you know how much this book will benefit other people in the long run, which is what it's all about, trying to help other people. So congrats for that. And um, if people want to find your book, uh, where, where can they go to find your book? And buy Actually, it? it's on Amazon. So they could go to Amazon.com and they, they could type in my name, which is Matthew Marinoff. That's on the screen, not .com, but they could put Matthew Marinoff. Uh, and uh, my, my book will pop up or they could put Short Sale Savage and the book will pop up as well. Awesome. And we will also put those links in the comment section of this um, episode as well. So you guys can find it down there. And um, one more question for you, Matt, before we uh, end up hopping off here. So kind of like looking at the future for your book, for your personal life, what are some of your goals that you want to get accomplished in the next couple of years? Uh, for me, um, I just, I want my kid, I want to lead by example for my children. So, you know, they're both at, you know, vulnerable ages right now. I have a 13 year old and an 18 year old. And the other reason why I wrote the book was to show my kids, you really could do anything in life. Because everybody always, oh, you should write a book, or I could write a book, or I'm going to write a book. But to actually write a book, to be the author, and to also publish it, it takes a lot. It really takes a lot out of you as a person. So I would say um, trying to write at least one or more books, um, and also uh, to show my kids what you know true residual income could be or can be for themselves. And don't just rely on your nine to five job because at any given moment, that job could go away. So you really should have one one other source or two other sources of income, hopefully, if you're if you're playing your cards right every single month. 100%. You got to lead by example what you are doing for your kids. So that's awesome to see. I'm excited for your goals in the future as well. Thank you. Um, so before we hop off, is there anything else you would like to say? And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah, I mean, look, my, my toll-free number is 866-739-3960. It's 866-739-3960. And I actually have operators standing by uh, 24-7-365. Awesome. All right, guys, there you have it. Matt Marinoff, thank you so much for joining me today.